You're listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm your podcast host, Orlando Murrin, and on this show, we're going to talk about some brilliant recipes and we'll even be tasting some of Tom's own creations. Welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with chef Tom Kerridge and food writer Rosie Burkett. Today, we are going to talk about cakes. And I'd like to get the ball rolling by asking you, Tom, can you remember a special cake from your childhood? I mean, childhood? I mean, yeah, chocolate cake. I mean, my mum would always make a chocolate cake. I say always. I mean, every now and then. But the things that you remember about it is licking the bowl, like the actual, not the actual cake bit that's cooked. <laughs> it's it's the remnants of the ingredients that are in the bowl. That was the, you know, the mix of the fl- creamed butter and sugar and the flour. What is it about cake mixture that it tastes so good? It's delicious. Well, it's just it? sweet, isn't it? It's sweet well. and texturally. And, yeah, it's lovely. You know, I mean, that, yeah, I remember that. I mean, but if you were talking about memorable cakes, I mean, you'd be in a lot of trouble if you don't say wedding cake, wouldn't you? I mean, I've got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was most definitely the most memorable cake, that one. Yeah. And Rosie, how about you? Any any memorable um, cakes from your childhood? Yeah, I mean, my mum used to go all out, actually, with the with the birthday cakes. And um, she did one one year, which was, I can't remember which birthday it was, but it was um, my bed. as a So the cake was my bed. And then she did little miniature versions of my two um, cuddly rabbits, Dorothy and Lucy. <laughs> tucked up under the under a blanket so she made like an icing blanket and then had the two rabbits tucked under and they were exact replicas of my favorite cuddly toys it would have been very cruel Uh, to eat them surely yeah but i I think i I think i managed it um and then for my 15th birthday and i remember this because i felt like i was very grown up because i had my friends in the dining room and she made this cake with um a lemon sponge and um like a lemon curd and a and a white chocolate um icing with white chocolate curls all the way around it and it was kind of two-tier and really spectacular and grown up and that's actually what we modeled our wedding cake on how sophisticated very sophisticated for 15 year old yeah but you know i was 15 going on (laughs) 20 but there is something very nostalgic about cakes they make you think back don't they and to happy times and celebrations they do i mean let's be honest they've had a massive resurgence in the last what five six seven eight years since since bake-off you know the bake-off is is absolutely huge but uh, i mean that's been great for for so many different reasons, I think because you know it, it's got people back in the kitchens, back cooking. So mm. many people love baking because it is the end result is something that we all love. We all love cake. It doesn't really matter whether it's a slice of lemon drizzle cake, whether it's a chocolate cake, whether it's a Victoria sponge. Whatever, it doesn't matter. If someone's had a go at making something. There's an end result that pretty much all the family are going to like. It's not that difficult to make, and then you can make it really complicated. You can decorate them. You can do so. The resurgence of it from, through Bake Off, seeing like people. People at home having a go at making stuff that is really quite exciting it, it has, has driven this um, like love of cakes in this country back to being somewhere where you know it's, it's become a brilliant hobby again cake making yeah it was just waiting in the wings f- for a while and then suddenly everyone realized that it was so exciting and you can as you say you can be as creative as you want you can go you can really go mad with cakes can't you and turn them into anything you want them to turn in yeah yeah, yeah. It can be a work of art, an absolute kind of spectacular work of art with amazing sugar craft and all kinds of wonderful icing. Or it can be something as simple as a 
and Universal as a Victoria sponge that's delicious, but it's still got that feeling of it being a special treat and sort of something that someone's put love into because they've made it. Yeah. At the beginner level, little cakes are going to be easier, aren't they? Things like fairy cakes and... Fairy do, cakes, do, cupcakes. Do you, do you yeah. remember rock cakes? My grandmother used to make rock cakes. Are they God. studded with dried fruit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're a little yeah. bit burnt fruit on the outside. Mm. They, they were terrible things, actually. Um, <laughs> bit dry. Bit dry. I'm not sure that the word burnt fruit, <laughs> burnt fruit I'm not sure. <laughs> that's, that's not silly. Rock cakes done well. No, lush. I, I mean... <laughs> I, mean, they, word, I haven't heard of rock cake for quite a while. I think rock cakes have fallen, yeah, haven't well, they? I mean, no, no. They're quite nice if you don't burn them. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I, like, they're, 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 I they mean, need to be dipped in helps. something, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's the rock cake that was the problem there, Orlando. I think it might have been the methodology or the fact that it was in the oven a bit too long or too hot. <laughs> um, and the sponge cake is the first thing that we we make when we're trying to make a real cake isn't mm. it that's not the easiest to get light we've had some people on uh, social media asking us how to get the top of a sponge cake flat i don't know why it's not going flat maybe it isn't level it off level it off before <laughs> it goes in the oven it's no, not going to level once itself it, once you've baked it you, you use a, oh, use a knife and, to, and to level, level it off if it, if it's yeah because yeah. it's going to have a natural it's rise because yeah. it's got you've got whisked up or beaten eggs into it so yeah. essentially I mean, that's what you want you want that aeration mm. in it you want that process and it will have that slightly domed, domed yeah. top yeah. to it you know like so it's not they, they wanting a flat top but in fact yeah, you, just, can't, you can't get they want a flat, flat top because they want to decorate and make it like sharp or something yeah you just sharpen it off cut it and the best thing about doing that is you've then got a nice layer of sponge that you've cut off that you can then eat Oh, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> or transform into decoration. No, just eat it because we, you know, once you've gone to the trouble of making a cake and you've got the cake in, you know, cooked, you can't actually eat it for a good few hours until you've iced it or whatever. But this is a great way of having a little preview of the of the crumb. A sponge cake isn't actually the easiest to make, is it? Because it does involve whipping and whisking. Yeah, I think I think the problem that you get there's, you know, if you're making chamois, it is quite a difficult one because that's supposed to be very light and airy, and by the time you've whisked up the eggs and then you're just gently trying to fold them into the bit, like, and you get bored really quickly, and like, and then you're just trying to beat it in, and then it doesn't rise. So yeah, you, you a lot of it is about practice and taking your time, having the right equipment. You know, you need yeah. a you know you know a metal spoon, not a wooden one, when you fold in fold in the whisked up eggs because. Because that way it does help keep that air in it. But it is getting that flour, the heavier, denser flour butter mix in with the egg and the sugar mix, the way that you try and fold them together. It, it is it's just a process of practice. You need to see it, I think, see someone doing it, showing you how to do it, because it's very hard to describe how to fold things together, isn't it? But if you're doing a... We have a video online, incidentally, so to show you how to incorporate your ingredients in a sponge to get it light because we want it to be light want that's it to be what light. sponge means if you're it? doing a sponge cake you, you know if you follow like an all-in-one idea or a pound cake i know delia smith has a really good all-in-one sponge and then it's equal weight um margarine sugar flour and eggs and you know that's quite easy to remember when it's an equal weight of everything and i think the, the key is really creaming the sugar 
and the and the butter together, but you probably do need a hand whisk or, or a stand mixer for that. I think a hand whisk does the job if you haven't got a great big whirling thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you you know, mentioned margarine there. Do you still use margarine for I, some things? I tend to use butter because I love the flavour, but it does. It, my auntie made it recently and it, it was incredible and it, that was used with margarine. You can. Mary Berry did a taste off with um, the young Rue man and um, he actually, a blind tasting, they both preferred the margarine sponge, the sponge ring. So that, I thought that was very interesting. It's probably the only thing I'd use margarine for. Yeah. You know, it does make But if a you're going to use butter, it's got to be softened, hasn't it? That's the problem yeah. because otherwise you just can't cream it easily. Yeah, I would probably also soften it if, if it wasn't so soft, soften it by by beating it in with a hand whisk or in a stand mixer first before you add the sugar in to get it nice and fluffy. Or even microwave it a bit if it's... If it's, if, it, if it's yeah. freezing cold. Now, fruitcakes are next in the list of things that you might want to tackle if you're in, interested in cake making. Um, they've got a bit of a bad press. They feel a bit old-fashioned in a way, don't they? Do, are people still making fruitcakes? Yeah, I think they're great. Fruitcakes are actually quite an easy one. To do. They're, they're quite dense. They're quite solid. You're not looking for this beautiful aeration necessarily. You're looking for a flavourful mix. So mm. you, you can really go to town on what you want to add to it and the spices in there and the seasonings and the things you want to take. A fruitcake is absolutely stunning. You know, glass of cherry I mean, it's the only real excuse you can have for <laughs> eating them. They're like ridiculous things, but they're, they're absolutely lush putting a fruitcake. And it's the sort of thing, you know, that's the sort of thing that my mum would make for Christmas and, you know, she'd make it a month or two in advance and then feed it booze all the time. You know, it's kind of like, but they're, they're absolutely delicious, but done properly. You can, they're, they're quite a simple thing to put together and you haven't got to worry too much about the technicalities of mm. it. It's a case of just mixing, stirring. mixing, yes, yeah, stirring. And the baking is a bit more challenging though because you don't want to <laughs> Singe them, do you? you? Don't want to do what my grandmother did to the rock cakes. Yeah, end up but, with the very, fruit yeah, on no, the outside. You don't. You want to do, but that's so a little bit lower, lower and slower. Lower yeah, and slower. Yeah. A bit um, like a casserole. <laughs> I think sometimes with Christmas cakes, they they um, line, the, they put a couple of sheets of newspaper under the tin. But you don't hear about that anymore, do you? That was I have memories of my mum doing that, but I've never done. Wouldn't that. Do, want to do that in a gas oven with the newspaper catching light? Would you? It could be. We're not recommending that, listeners. We are not recommending any newspapers in any ovens. If if you're listening. But feeding the cake, people talk about that. What what does that actually mean? Well, Feed- where you've got a, a fruitcake mix that's quite dense and quite solid and, and then you every now and then you get a little skewer, poke the top on it and give it a good brushing or what, good stab s- it all over yeah exactly and like give it a good murder scene yeah well a little bit like that I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah and then and then just pour in and um, so we, we you know some booze of your of your choice whether it you know brandy or rum or you know sometimes it works quite nicely with orange juice if you're looking at for, you know something for kids wise orange or pineapple juice things mm. like that are really really good as well just to keep the, the cake nice and moist and when do you eat cake if I mean every day, Mary Berry apparently eats a slice of cake every afternoon. Mary I re- Berry, I Mary Berry needs to. A, a small... She's Mary Berry. <laughs> yes, I'd be disappointed if she weren't she eating has cake a small every day. Slice yeah. of cake every afternoon, she says. Uh, do you? Do you, Rosie? No, I, it's not that often that I eat cake. It's more of a celebratory thing. And Tom, do you? No, I got to be honest. Is it my, I. Just because of the nature of my the way that my life and my day is run, I don't really get a cake stop, to be honest, although I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, every, but every now and then, like, actually, my little man will probably make a cake 
probably makes cakes, I don't know, once a week, maybe once every two weeks mm-hmm. with, with uh, mum at home or, or um, the the nanny that comes over that does once a, a week with him that will make cakes, hang out at home and do stuff like that. We'll make them at a nursery and, you know, and, you know, they're always uh they're always delicious. They're always <laughs> delicious. Yes, they're lovely. Well, you watch very carefully what you eat, Tom. So you probably wouldn't want to be colliding with pieces of cake the whole time. No, would I you? would want to be colliding <laughs> with pieces of cake, but that's quite that is the problem. Yeah. So I try I try and avoid it. Yeah. So as much as I'd love to, I don't miss the fact that cake is not massively in my life. However, I'd love it to be, but it's the consequences that go with it. It's it's really hard to reconcile cake with a with a healthy thinking sort of diet, isn't it? Unless you go heavily down the uh, you know the, the the carrot cake kind of direction, but even those are loaded with sugar. It is really fat and sugar, isn't it? A cake, isn't it that is, the definition of it. But it is part of that. It's just a lifestyle choice, isn't it? It's like saying, yeah. you know, it's like someone who eats a burger every day. Well, it ain't going to be good for you. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a burger once a week if you if you, everything else is in balance and in moderation. So if you're going to have a slice of cake, great. You know, if you if you go to the garden centre on a Sunday and you wander around and you, then you go for a cup of tea and a, a slice of cake, there's no bother with that mm-hmm. as long as the rest of the week you haven't gone to the garden centre and had a slice of cake every day. You know, yeah. you've got you just got to try and get it into balance, haven't you? Everyone knows that, you know, cake is fattening and that there's calories involved. I remember chatting to the baker, Claire Patak, who runs Violet yeah. Bakery um, in East London. She made uh, Harry and Meghan's wedding cake as well. And she's a fantastic baker. And she sort of stressed to me when I interviewed her once, because cake is so calorific, it should be worth it. And that's her philosophy. And her cakes are absolutely delicious. And she approaches um, she approaches her baking in the way that a chef does. You know, she works with seasonal ingredients and she's focused on flavour. And I think that's a really lovely philosophy because it means that, yes, it is a lot of calories. It is it is fattening, but it's definitely worth it because of the pleasure that you're getting from it because it's so delicious. And very concentrated flavours so that each bite delivers. Every bite, yeah. And the texture of a cake is rather wonderful with its icing or frosting. Mm. By the way, what's the difference between icing and frosting? Is there any difference? Is frosting just the American word for icing? Yeah, that feels like the American world. Yeah, I've never never used that term, frosting. Frosting? Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I've heard it, but I imagine it's exactly the same. I think it's just the same thing. But the combination of the the kind of crumbly cake and then the slightly kind of um, silky icing is a a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, and buttercream. 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 Who invented that? (laughs) I I like Swiss meringue buttercream. So oh, what, what's that? So it's a it's a meringue based buttercream. So you make a Swiss meringue by um, whipping up egg yolks and sugar over a bain marie to about seventy degrees. So it's a kind of warm meringue. Egg yolks or egg whites? Egg whites. Egg whites. Sorry, did I say I egg yolks? I thought you said egg yolks. I mean egg whites. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely egg whites to make a meringue. Yeah. And then you add the butter in. Then you put it. You need a stand mixer or an electric whisk, and then you start adding the butter in, and you get this really silky because of the egg whites. Glossy. Glossy, silky, ah. light. I mean, light, I say light, it's full of butter, but it is absolutely so delicious in the mouth. I want to scrape that bowl. <laughs> it's so good. And actually, I've done one, um, it's on the BBC Good Food website, where you add in a little bit of tahini at the end. So you're getting this really gorgeous, nutty flavour as well at the end. Yeah. Right. It's, it's absolutely delicious with a spiced pear cake. Mm. 
Still to come on BBC Good Foods podcast with Tom Kerridge. Whisking flour. Whisking flour. I'm not joking, Tom. Honestly, that sounds like one of them blags that when I was a young chef going into a kitchen and someone said, oh yeah, just whisk that flour for me. (laughs) Oh yeah, all right, yes, yes, chef. And then you whisk flour. Another 10 minutes whisking flour. I'm not falling for that again. I'm 46. We do actually have a cake waiting behind the curtain and Jack is about to reveal it. And this is none other than Tom Kerridge's sticky banoffee loaf with toffee sauce. Mm. And it's been drizzled with sauce. So this is not iced or frosted. This is drizzled and glooped with toffee sauce. And it could, in fact, be there's a lagoon of sauce into which we could dip the the cake if we feel. Look at that. That looks well healthy, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But but this is is an interesting uh, cake. It's in in a loaf shape, which is very popular. People like making cakes cakes in life. I need to get my uh, vowels sorted out. People like making cakes in loaf shapes nowadays, don't they? They do. It's quite an easy one to do. That's the thing. It's a case of making the mix together and put it in the loaf tin and baking it. And it's also quite... It's quite nice to portion, and it feels a little bit like you yes. can do it. Is it a bit 11s or a mm. little bit afternoon tea? Like you can do the slices of it. It's easy to store. It's all like all of it's those. It's informal, uh, isn't it? It does, yeah. Friendly. It exactly. Yeah. And then you haven't, because you're doing it and loved it, you don't really then worry about what it's going to look like afterwards. It's, this isn't about de- cake decorating. This is a case about making a, a cake that just tastes of what it's supposed to and it is you know the beautiful thing about loaf tin cakes is is, it's a it's a case of building and beating the ingredients together sticking them in there and baking it and this one's got suet in it so you don't have to cream the butter it's it's ever so simple yeah it is ever so simple but it's got suet it's got golden caster sugar and it's got um low it's a little bit well it's a i mean it's a sticky banoffee cake so it's got the the dates and the flavors of like a sticky toffee pudding and the bananas that go through it as well and then bananas are quite a good we actually have made quite a few cakes I mean recently with some of the some of the healthier recipes that we've been writing um, bananas work really really well as a kind of a butter and a sugar and a flour replacement they kind of add texture creaminess and richness to a dish it doesn't always it's not necessarily 100% the same sort of texture but what it does do it works really well in muffins it works really well It's a, it, they're really they're really really good additions to making a cake feel and taste and be that little bit less calorific yeah I was listening to the podcast the favourite recipes podcast um, about pancakes and a mashed banana is very very good for people who can't have uh, flour and eggs I think a mashed banana does the trick of kind of silkizing the, the batter yeah bana- bananas are, yeah yeah it is now and it works really well silk eyes bananas silk eyes bananas in cake cake recipes work amazingly this is going to be very messy to eat so I suggest that we tuck in and we've got a a lot of kitchen paper here to help us um, if we get it overlooked but if you if you can't hear shortly it's because we've got toffee sauce on the microphones yeah but we're gonna we're gonna persevere anyway um, I noticed this has got bicarbonate of soda in it. and we've The had, raisin agent, yeah. We've had a question from Venny Graham um, via social media about what's the difference between baking soda uh, or bicarbonate of soda and baking powder? And, of course, there is a difference, isn't there? There is a difference. Baking powder is a combination of baking soda and cream of tartar. So it's acidic and alkali. And it reacts to, they react with each other once moisture is added in. Whereas bicarbonate of soda is just alkali. And that reacts to acidic ingredients. And 
Baking soda is identical. To, that's the American for bicarbonate of soda. That's the same thing. Baking soda is bicarbonate of soda. But if you see bicarbonate of soda in a recipe or baking powder, you can't switch them, can you? You have to no, stick with what it says. But you can make your own baking powder and there's a recipe on the BBC Good Food website for that. For making your own baking yeah. powder. And it's basically baking soda and cream of tartar mixed together. And then how about self-raising flour? Because you can you can make your own of that as well. And if you run out of self-raising flour, it's a bit of a bore to have to go out and get some. If you Because if you've got baking powder and flour, you can make your own. And the reason that the, this podcast has, has temporarily gone quiet is because my two guests, their jaws are clamped together by toffee sauce mm. and they can't talk. So I'm going to have to answer my own question here, which is that if you if you have 100 Sorry. grams... I'll tell you what, I, I lost all interest <laughs> in that because I was too case. busy. I was they like, yep, you know, toffee sauce and, and, and like sticky toffee, banoffee-like cake. I mean, it was like... Yeah, yeah, whatever, baking powder, soda, just, 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 yeah. They're also on a sugar high now. If you'll all be quiet for a moment, I'm going to tell our listeners how to make self-raising flour, which is 100 grams of plain flour plus one teaspoonful of baking powder, and that is the same as self-raising flour. Have I got you back now, you yeah, two? Yeah, 100%. But I'm going in for more cake. Yeah. It's so good. No, please don't expose me anymore. Um, how do you like your chocolate cake, Rosie? Um, I'm going to say the forbidden word, moist. Oh. It has to be moist and Gungy? Not, so, so I wouldn't under, say. Uh, undercooked, sort of, sort of stick claggy? Not claggy. No, just nice and, and <laughs> rich and, and dark and, and delicious and, and, and moist. And is it frosted or iced? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say no to a bit of sort of fudge icing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's gone wrong here. This is what happens uh, if you have this banoffee uh, with the toffee I, sauce. I, I cake. hundred percent in agreement with Rosie. Chocolate cakes have they have to be they have to feel really indulgent and amazing mm. and lo- and they do have to have loads of like yeah, like you say, like a like a fudgy kind of covering all over them, mm. that kind of texture you just think like as Rosie was talking earlier, like if you're going to have a cake, it has to feel like it's worth it. You're going to have calories. You don't want to eat calories in this bit. Like go, no, nah, that was all right. But you still had like a thousand calories. Yeah. You, if you're going to go, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, that was worth every every single one of those calories. Yeah, that's where you want it. And that, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, that's the ultimate in chocolate cake. Isn't it? And how do you feel about the extremely fancy cakes like rainbow cakes and ombre cakes and those, those works of art cakes? Do you... Th- are they worth the eating or are they really just so well, beautiful? You know, the the, the rainbow heart? cakes are just the colour, aren't they? They don't really taste any different. They cut through the layers of flavours. But they look cool, don't they? I mean, for me, you know, if it's got people cooking and they having a go at They look amazing, Yeah, they've got they? people doing stuff at home and getting in the kitchen and making them and having fun. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what food is about, you know, over-the-top cakes, getting people playing around in the kitchen, making a massive mess, getting covered in food colouring. Like, just like I mean, really, that's what cooking is about, particularly at home. It is about it all having fun so yeah Yeah. i'm up for a rainbow cake definitely i i love you know i i think it's fantastic how creative people can be with with cake and we've got some incredible bakers in this country and you know now because of instagram there's so many different things that you can do and share online and actually i found this amazing instagram account that i'm i'm going to shout out to um lima.cakes who makes these really fantastic works of art and they're kind of 
beautiful deep colours and then she's done all this amazing sugar craft uh, floral displays like dahlias and things like that all over these cakes and they are absolutely gorgeous so um, yeah have a look at those and I, I just think like Tom says it's about getting people excited and having a go and even if you try and make an ombre cake or a rainbow cake at home and it goes wrong that's actually quite funny as well so you know I just think it's about having a go. Can you explain to me what ombre cake actually means because we, we've got a, a great one on the Good Food website which is Ed Kimber's winning Bake, bake well. well. Yeah I've seen that from it's the amazing. But what does, what does ombre actually mean? So it's a, it, it's a gradation of colours so it's uh, when a... So it's an artistic effect. Is, yeah, is so it, you can get an ombre the... hair hair um, colour, which is where it sort of fades from one tone um, to a deeper tone. And that's what the, as far as I'm aware, that's what the ombre cake is as well. It's like a, a fading of colour. Not made using the hair colouring, I presume. No, definitely not. Where do we stand on food colouring, by the way? Because they, it must have some surprising ingredients in it. Your violet food colouring, you your blue some, food colouring. You can get natural ones now. You can get some quite good natural food colourings. I don't think you can make a rainbow cake without it, can you? No. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're making a chocolate cake, it's fairly standard. You've got the cocoa powder and you've got that. Like, it's, it comes of its natural ingredients in it. But if you're trying to create something funny, you're creating party cakes or you're doing whatever else and, you know, and you're moving that fondant icing you're, you're I don't know you're making uh, um, like my my little man's last birthday he had like this amazing lizard cake that um, Claire Clark um, who runs a company called Pretty Sweet she got an MBE for making cakes right a pastry chef she's, she's incredible amazing. she's amazing so she she made uh, this incredible lizard cake for 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 AC and it was this, it was just brilliant but you know it's bright green and there was like about 30 children with bright green hands after eating all that but it's kind of, you know it's part and parcel of it the food colouring is there especially when it's kind of like you're making something that's fun for birthday actually I've got to tell you about so his first birthday party I forgot so the chocolate he was mad obsessed by the age of one with bears right he loved bears like grizzly bears so we got I said Claire would you make this like amazing chocolate bear cake she was like yeah yeah so she built this cake and it must have been about two foot tall like of a grizzly bear and it looked amazing it was brilliant but it looked like real and then we had all the people around at the house for the birthday party and it was great and it was lovely and then it came to the time to cut the cake and he blew the cake and then uh, I had Claire text me to say this is how you have to take it apart because obviously it's built on kind of like a a, like um like a maquette of arms and the things she's built the cake around it to piece it together she had to take to cut the cake first thing you got to do is remove the head (laughs) so it's like oh my god so then there's all we blew the candle out and then there's all these children stood around the table and then all the mums and dads stood behind them and the first thing I'm having to do is slice through the throat (laughs) of a bear to remove this head and I could see all these children just looking at me going oh my god and then all the mums and dads behind the kids looking at me like going what is going on? <laughs> we are traumatizing all these children. It's not really age appropriate. No, it was. I was like, okay, I know, this is this. This is. It all suddenly took a turn for the worse. <laughs> but the cake was delicious. <laughs> Decapitated bear. Cake. I know. <laughs> I think around Halloween you get a lot of black and orange cakes, and uh, the, the, to make a cake black or, or icing black does require a heft of food colouring, doesn't it? I've and, never done that. But I imagine well, it would. Well, do. let's look forward to that. This no, let's try that this this October. Um, a few technical things I'd like to ask you. Um, sugar. Do you have a favourite sugar for cakes? I like a golden caster sugar. Golden caster sugar. I like to make my own vanilla sugar. How do you so, do that? Which is really simple. So if you use a vanilla pod um, for something, 
once you've scraped out the seeds from the inside of the vanilla pod, don't throw your vanilla pod away. Keep it, put it in a big jar, fill it up with sugar, caster sugar. Um, I like to use golden caster sugar because it's got a slightly nicer flavour. And then you leave the sugar surrounding the vanilla and it, it infuses with that vanilla flavour. And it does, just it adds, make, does it make a lot of difference? It, or just it a adds hint? a lovely vanilla hint, yeah. And would you add vanilla... And it smells as well as as the vanilla sugar. Yeah, if you yeah. Make, why not? I definitely yeah. would also add that. Yeah. Vanilla is a great thing. I, I love the golden caster sugar as well. Like, it like smells Rosie says, so good, doesn't the it? The muscovado sugar, those mm. richer, darker, more unrefined sugars that have got that like, like, just something much more earthy about them. You know, they, they they've got another layer. It's a little bit like using wholemeal flour. There's something mm. about it that has this extra texture, extra depth of flavour, an extra level. So those more unrefined sugars are, 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 are really, really nice. I think they've got lots of extra goodness in them as well. No, I think that's just a fact. I don't <laughs> mean there's any extra sugar. goodness in it. Yeah, I don't think there's any extra goodness in it. It's just a different oh, layer of flavour. We can, we can kid, us. We can kid <laughs> yeah. ourselves. Go, oh, it's fine. It's just it's only a kilo of muscovado yeah. sugar. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so equipment. Um, do we need a food mixer or a, a hand mixer? Or? Oh, it really helps. Yeah, yeah at, le- at least having a kind of electric hand whisk um, really, really, really helps. They can be very good, those electric hand whisks. Mm. You get, get a good heavy one, don't you? I've yeah. got one that's actually, it's a bit heavy to hold, but it does such a really that's, good job. That's all my mum ever had, and she did amazing things. I've got a stand mixer, and I like it is like having an extra pair of hands in the kitchen. If you're baking and making cakes reasonably regularly, I would say it is an investment, but it's worth it. It does such a good job for the cre- at the creaming stage, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. 100%. You, need, you, you do need a bit of a kit like that. I mean, they're not super expensive but if you want to make you know want to get lovely aeration and really nice mixing and creaming and butters and sugars together then definitely yeah i mean you could do it with a wooden spoon but it would take ages i mean come on it's 2020 we're not you know this isn't victorian times where we're beating everything in a bowl with a spoon like yeah just get yourself a bit of kit now you mentioned aerating what about how where are we on sifting flour because some people sift flour other people don't sift flour and sometimes they're told to sometimes you're not told to depends on the cake like if you're looking for an aerated genoise sponge, then yes, yeah, definitely sift the flour. If you're just beating it all together to make like a loaf cake like this, then there's no real reason. It's a dense cake. I mean, yes, it will help a little bit, but it's not, your cake isn't going to be ruined by not sifting flour if it is one of those dense beaten mixed cakes. If it's a lighter area one, definitely sift it. Yeah, if you've got, if you're putting in uh, baking soda and baking powder, I guess it, distributes them and make sure you haven't got a lump of no one would yeah. want to crunch on a lump of bicarbonate of soda no. in a finished cake would no. they not, exactly not, not ideal I think Delia says um, when you're sifting hold the, the, the sieve high above the bowl to get all the air into it but that makes I find that makes an enormous mm. mess because most of it goes over the kitchen I don't usually hold it you, that you, you, don't you, you shake it not yeah. that I would ever disagree with Delia, obviously. She's a queen. But <laughs> but I think you can go just relatively yeah. high above the bowl without, like you say, sh- showering the whole kitchen in flour. And or I'm just going to throw this out there, guys. Baking parchment on the tabletop, not the bowl. Sift it high, it all falls onto the baking oh, parchment. Wow. Lift the baking parchment up and then pour that into the bowl. Just saying. Nice hack. I, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, like I mean, that's fairly standard. I, I mean... Come on, that's how everyone does it, no? Gosh, that sounds amazing. I've never done that, but I am from now on. Although I always find when it comes to baking a cake, I've usually run out of baking paper. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, where's that baking paper? Yeah. Oh, there's the end of the roll. Well, then that's you, where you can use the use, newspaper now instead of, instead yeah, of sticking that, it in, in the oven. I knew that was going to come in handy. The other thing you can do, actually, is whisk it in the bowl, which which mm. actually aerates it and distributes it and gets Whisking the flour. Dogs. Whisking flour. I'm not joking, Tom. Honestly, you that can, sounds like it, one of them blags that when it, I was a it, young it, chef going into a kitchen and someone said, oh, yeah, just whisk that flour yeah. for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right, yes, yes, chef. And then you whisk flour. Another 10 minutes whisking flour. But it, and then everyone comes and looks. You go, yeah, yeah, he's whisking flour. <laughs> Don't, I'm not falling for that again. I'm 46. <laughs> okay, it does work, actually. Now, you mentioned baking paper. Where are we on lining tins and greasing tins? Do we have to do it? It depends on the sp- on the cake. I th- I th- do you know what? I think we got into a habit of, you know, we, we're kids that grew up in the 80s and you, you go, you, you'll learn the, the cooking, the tins, the cake tins that our mums were baking in then probably weren't necessarily the best. Now there's some incredible... Yeah, like grandmas were rusty with yeah, exactly. burnt fruit on them. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Covered in rock. But, but now there's some incredible non-stick um, baking tins that are just fantastic. So, you know, I, th- I think... The trust now in the tin is a lot more that your cake isn't going to stick to it because, yeah. you know, the, the way that, the, you know, those nonstick line um, and silicon kind of like trays and uh, have developed. I, th- I think you, if you've got one of those, no, you don't need to. I think if you're using if you're still old school, it's no bother with it. Line it. Yeah, it just feels a bit wasteful with the paper and you, you, you use it once and throw it away and we're all trying to use less stuff nowadays, mm. aren't we? That if you could get away with greasing it and if, it, if it's a non-stick tin, but then you don't want to take the risk. It's a problem. You don't want to have a cake that's stuck to the side of the tin and you can't mm. serve it or stuck at the bottom and you can't get it off the base. It's, if you've got it's a, a problem, really. I think if you've got a reasonably good tin, you can get away with just greasing and flouring it, and but really go Grease for it. Grease and flour, yeah, you do Yeah, that's what do I you? do. I do butter really go for it with the butter so yeah. it's really covered and what I do is rip a little bit of the the packet from the butter this is how my granny used to do it um, with a bit of the butter on it and use that to rub the butter yeah. rub the butter into all of the all of the nooks and crannies of the cake tin and then flour it um, shake the flour around the tin so it's covered in a, in a light kind of uh, covering of flour as well and tip out any excess. And I think that gives you a slightly buttery cr- crust. It makes the, the the edge of the cake taste particularly good, that little extra bit of butter. Certainly can't round, help round, round the edge. Um, that's that's good advice. Those, those um, the reusable silicon things that you can get for, for your tin. Sorry, my words aren't very good, are they? Silicon things that you can get. The liners that you can use and use again, they're quite good, aren't they? Have you, you haven't got I've those. I've never used one of them. I, I've got, the, I've got them where well, you cut them out for your tin and then you wash them up every time mm-hmm. and you reuse them and they're very non-stick. They're, yeah, I think, the silicon stuff we've been using. Use yeah, we've yeah, been using yeah. in professional kitchens for 15, 20 years now yeah. and they, they've kind of made that crossover now into mainstream um, cook shops where, you know, the shapes and the moulds and they hold they hold well now when you bake them. They Everything about that and it does provide complete non-stick. So they're, and, and they're reusable, they're washable, they're, they're like, they're they're very 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 good. You can even put them in the dishwasher, but they come out ringing wet. That peculiar thing of where the plastic comes out all, all wet. And then just finally, um, testing cakes. Um, what do you use to test a, a, the cake is cooked through to the middle? Assuming you want it cooked through to the middle, because sometimes with the chocolate cake you want it moist or gungy, don't you? But a normal cake, what do you? I test don't it like with? the word gungy in relation to <laughs> cake, Orlando. Um, I normally use just a skewer. 
a skewer. Yeah. A normal skewer, yeah. like a barbecue type skewer. Yeah. yeah. And Tom? I just let the pastry chef do it and just let me know if it's right or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Tony. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to get the best cakes, get a pastry chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that joyous note... <laughs> I still can't get over whisking flour. I'm, like, I'm, I'm lost here. Yeah. It's been very difficult to keep you in control during this podcast, but thank you very much. It's the sugar. Chef Tom and food writer Rosie, and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. And to find out more about the recipes we've been talking about, go to bbcgoodfood.com.